Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Digging Through Dominoes. I think this might be episode 20, maybe 21. I've lost count, but I'm so excited we have made it this far. I'm your host, Terry Anderson, and in this podcast, if you are new, what we do is dig through the dominoes of our past, see how they were stacked against us, so we can clear the board lay out the new ones for a whole new game. Today, I wanted to talk to you about something and give you a personal story. I I always, when I go on a topic, uh, talk about a topic, I always want to weave in a personal story. And this is one that I've alluded to many times. If you know of me, you may know part of the story, but you don't know the whole thing. And this is classic narcissistic scapegoating at its finest. And it worked on a lot of people, except for one very courageous woman that I know of and a few others that I know of that didn't take the bait. But do you know where the term scapegoating originated? It was way back when communities would choose an animal to sacrifice to their God. And this in, if I would learn to speak more properly, in this ceremony, in this ritual, what, would, what they did was transfer their sins, their transgressions onto this animal, and the animal was slain. Therefore, cleansing them of any transgression transgression they may have made and they would be clean in the sight of their God. In today's society, we know of a scapegoat that is a person that's used to achieve another person's desired effects, most generally in taking what that person is doing and projecting it on to this other person. And I guess you could kind of liken it, liken it to in this situation as when you have two little kids out playing in the play yard and one throws a rock and sees that he's just cut a big gash in his brother's head. So he hightails it back in to talk to his parents and say, hey, so-and-so pushed me and I had to protect myself and he got hurt. So Going to the parents first, he's, he's thinking like, okay, so I'm protecting myself and I'm going to get my brother in trouble, even though I initiated what was going on. That's one way it happens in today's society. Another way it happens in today's society, and I've, I've experienced all of these, is when you take a complaint to someone about something that has happened that needs to be addressed, and the person that needs their actions addressed is in a situation where the one you need to help actually sides with the one that has committed the the transgression because they feel sorry for them and this other person should be old enough to take care of themselves. That's crap. A lot of people will use scapegoats on an individual or a group so they can elicit a specific 
response. People generally make scapegoats or choose a group or a person as a scapegoat when they have some sort of a psychological situation that they don't want to address. They don't want to acknowledge that they may be wrong. They may have some sort of a, you know, there's a myriad of situations here. And I want to make sure that I, I do this disclaimer. I am not a doctor. I am just a person that has gone through this walk just like you are and looking for answers, just like some of you may be. Here are a few things that you can look at to see if you may or may not be a scapegoat or if you're using someone as a scapegoat. Are you a metaphorical punching bag? You know, like the person that comes home, trips over the dog because the dog's a dog and is laying there and says, I'm going to kick you in the head if you get in my way again. Or they've had a bad day at work and they come home and they hit their dog. Their dog hasn't done a thing, but they're, they're transferring their negative emotions onto the animal. They also choose to do that to people. Also, another way, do they talk about you to other people in not the nicest way or in complete mistruths, untruths, whichever word may be correct? A lot of times the people that, uh, that scape, scapegoat want to, appear, want to appear perfect in the eyes of others or they want to hide anything that they may have done that will tarnish their image. They try to intentionally, at times there are unintentional parts of this whole thing, but right now we're going to go into the intentional scapegoating because this is a story that I'm going to tell you that happened to me. But one of the things that they do and this person did was actually two people try to intentionally isolate harm, humiliate, or punish me. Since the story is about me, that's, you know, kind of what we're going to go with. They may try to bring a person down or a corporation or a community or a group of people to make them feel better about themselves. Most of these people have internal battles of their own that they don't want to deal with and they need to feel superior or on a pedestal in their community, their family, their group setting at work, whatever. They'll project their own mistakes, their own doings onto the person that did not do this and the person they're trying to harm, the person they're trying to bring down. They can blatantly ignore you. They've done something wrong to you and do not want to talk to you because they know you know what they did. This one here is the one I think that is was being used against me. You know, many of them were, but this one in specific, in specific, this one specifically, they're afraid you'll talk about their abusive behavior to others. They will treat you differently than others. Sometimes you're in a situation where you're the scapegoat. This is childhood here, 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 here. This is, you're the scapegoat. And your sibling is the golden child. And this is sort of a double-edged sword. I've seen this happen in my own family. 
And there will be a golden child and there's a scapegoat. The scapegoat, scapegoat generally was me because we didn't want to hurt the golden child. We want the golden child to make sure that they're doing everything right. Well, what, what ends up happening is that golden child sees what's going on. They see the maltreatment and they don't want to be in that place of maltreatment. So they make sure that they're trying to do everything perfect. It puts all of this extra pressure on the so-called golden child or the golden child basically will kiss ass. So they're not the target of what they've seen happen. You know, in any, in any instance that they're scapegoating, it just breeds contempt. It breeds misunderstanding. It breeds competition. And the person generally that's doing the scapegoating does not realize they have pushed you to the point of breaking because they're really not thinking about you, right? That's happened in my family of origin. That's happened in my marriage. That's happened in my relationships. That's happened in my friendships. Mainly, they treat you that way to get a leg up. Maybe you're doing something that they see as superior. And, you know, I don't really like using that word. I guess something that they can't do themselves. And so they'll say something or they will speak to you in a certain manner that makes you feel like you're absolutely 100% worthless. All right. So here we go. We're going to go into this. And I have not talked to... I've talked to this person. These are receipts I have. These are texts of, that I have of someone that I was very much in love with. And when I say that, people are going to get the very wrong idea that it was a romantic, um, oh my gosh, I just want to love you. I, I love you more than anyone else in the world. But, you know, a romantic type love. No, I was very much in love with this person because this person made me be very in love, very much in love with myself. They filled holes in me. There are two parts of this, this situation, this box. They filled holes in me that I had since birth. I could do no wrong. I was encouraged. I was taken places. We, everything I mean, we had adventure, we laughed, we had intellectual conversations. We, it was just, we were always doing something. And I was really for the first time in decades, enjoying life. I was enjoying it. I loved who I was when I was with this person. But that was a plot. And you'll see why. I had met this person around 2006. She had worked at the office that my massage therapist was at. And I got to know her a little bit. She's a musician or was a musician here in Portland, a, a blues vocalist. And we got to know each other pretty well. And she always really made me feel good about myself. And we went to, one night we went to see her perform. And oh my gosh, what a performer. Amazing performer. But she was always very friendly with me, and she treated me a lot differently than, than many people did. I felt really at ease with her. So I went to see her at a gig she had here in Portland. 
in either 2018, 2019. And I, it was, it was so much fun. It was so much fun. She, she blew us away as she always does or always did. And after the performance, after I got home, I sent a message and I said, you know, I really missed you. It's been such a long time. I miss seeing you. I miss having you, you know, be a part of my life. I missed that day-to-day interact, not day-to-day, but kind of, you know, I was going in a couple of times a week because of car accident I had had. And we really kind of got to know each other. And she just always made me feel special. I missed the part about feeling special. I thought she was being truthful. I had no reason to believe that she wasn't. And so I went with it. And, you know, I, I did suggest, I said, let's get to together for lunch sometime, you know, let's have a good time. Let's have fun. So I remember coming, her coming to my house and she brought me this aloe plant that I still have downstairs. And we started going to lunch and talking and we seemed to have a lot of common ground, a lot of very intellectual conversation, which I am absolutely starved for. A lot of, how do I say this? We had a lot of fun. She was very, uh, she was a lot like me in the way that we could explore and we didn't have to worry about the clock or a map or where we were or what we were doing, uh, you know, that we're going to get lost because we knew we were getting at home. We could do anything at any time, at any minute. She would take me to photograph and she would slow down at things that she thought would were cool. I never felt rushed. I never felt like I was being a burden. She really seemed to enjoy this. And we laughed and we had such a good time. I'm going to put a a link to the playlist that we had started when during this friendship. Well, one day I tried to get, get a hold of her and she didn't answer the phone. She didn't answer the phone. And she was texting me these really weird things. So that night, you know, this had been going had been going on all day. I texted her and I said, "Look, if you don't get a hold of me, she wouldn't answer her phone." I said, "If you do not get in touch with me, I'm calling for a welfare check because something is not right." So I didn't hear anything. I called for a welfare check. As I got to her house, the paramedics were taking her out to the hospital. I got to the hospital right after them. And she was in sepsis. She had kidney stones and one was blocking her urethra and she was in sepsis. It was very serious. She was in the hospital for quite some time. And I jumped in as I did with just about everyone that needed help. And I took care of her. Her other friends, I never saw while we were at the hospital. I never saw anybody show up. I was there. I was taking care of her. She was estranged from her family and there was no one else there. And I really kind of felt responsible to take care of her in a way. And besides that, I enjoyed her company and I didn't like seeing people suffer. So she was in the hospital for quite some time. We, we really bonded then. We, my job I saw at the time was to keep her in good spirits because if she was in good spirits, she, she was going to get healthier sooner to keep the staff around her in good spirits so, so that they would take care of her so she would get better sooner. Then came the day she was discharged. We went to her house and I stayed there because she had to have around the clock infusions. So I stayed there and I stayed 
until she started getting well. And then some things started happening with me. I started having a problem with my heart. I started having vertigo. And if you watch some of the videos, you'll be able to see me say things like, or there's, there's a part in there that comes up where I had to be taken to the ED. I had never been to the ED more times in my life than I had been when I was in this relationship with her, this friendship with her. And some of the things I remember, some of the things I don't, there's a very good reason for that. I was being drugged and I was being drugged and I didn't remember a lot of the things that happened. If you watch the videos, you'll see me say things like, does your food taste funny? Is your drink okay? Does this taste all right to you? And one of them I was watching the other night, I did not remember until I was watching the video. And there was a night that I just like freaked out. And it was after she had made a meal for me. I started sweating. I got really hot. The parts that I remember, I didn't want any clothes on. I was just, I was beside myself. So she called the EMD. They came to get me. I didn't want anything touching me. They had a hard time getting me onto the stretcher, into the ambulance, and into the hospital. They couldn't find anything wrong. But they never did a talk screen. That's one thing I'm really disturbed by is that there was never a talk screen done on any of this. Had there been, we would have known what was going on. I didn't think that this woman that was like treating me as a human being for one of the first times in my life and my interests were at heart. I wasn't being given, you know, material things and, oh, I I gave you this, I gave you that, you should be happy. No, she was really seemingly interested in what was going on with me. Little did I know that there was a plan. I can look back on it now and I can see it started from the very beginning. The very first lunch date. I can see how it started. She was asking lots and lots of questions, but she would be very vague about answering questions with me when she would speak about certain people and she's in, she's planting seeds in, in me and I was like what the heck and, you know she was speaking about this person named Mary I don't know who Mary was I don't even know if Mary was a real person Mary who I tried to kill or she would speak about a, another person this person that I tried to hurt this person that I tried to this so they were like not so cool things that she supposedly did to people, which were kind of to scare me. But I couldn't figure it out because I don't think that way. I don't think in ways of people I tried to kill, people that I tried to extort. And I didn't think she was going to do anything to me. I thought everything was cool, that we were fine, everything was going to be fine. And we had this great friendship. She just dropped these in at really odd times. You know, she told me she would seriously, serious gaslight me, take me places. Oh, this is your favorite sushi place. It's like, Margo, I've never been to this place. Oh yeah, you have. We've been here like three or four times. Don't you remember? Or we would go to, there was a place that she used to have her things cleaned. And we were there one time and she said, did you pick your stuff up? I said, I don't have anything here. Yeah, you do. You do. You, we brought it in when I brought my clothes. Alas, when the person looked, there was nothing there for me. 
Oh, she said, I must have picked him up when I was in here to pick my stuff up last time. And I'm not putting this together because at that time, I'm still thinking, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm just glad that I'm on the other side of hell, it seemed, and slowly building my way up. Without this relationship, I never would have gotten to the point I am now to be able to see how easily manipulated I can be. So let me get into part of this and what if I need to to elaborate, I will. I'm, I'm looking at this first text and I'm laughing. And one of the things I have to say, I, I really noticed that I was starting to lose friends on Facebook. I have a lot of the Portland music, jazz, blues scene, or I did, on my Facebook friends list. I do still have some, but there were a lot that sort of silently disappeared. Now I know why. This was a, a friend of mine. I had never met her. I I wanted to use her to help me physically. I, I had been a gym rat forever and I had gotten out of that. Excuse me. I had had some problems. I had gotten out of the gym and I really wanted to get toned back up. I wanted to get in there and I wanted to have her help me. And at that point, when I started talking to Margo about that, she said, I don't feel comfortable with that and I want you to block her. I've heard really bad things about her. And I'm thinking, I've never heard anything bad about this woman at all. She's amazing. No, believe me, word out is this is not a good person. I didn't. I'm like, well, okay, I guess I, you know, I don't know. And so I messaged this friend and I said, look, I've got to block you. Um, which was weird. Why would I do that? Why would I allow anyone to make me unfriend someone and block them? That was ludicrous. I keep looking at the time, see how much time it, we've got a minute here. That was ludicrous for me to do. And I don't know why I did that. I don't know if I did it because I didn't want to lose the feeling that I had when I was with Margot and I felt like there was no care in the world and every day was an adventure and we always had fun. She was always up to playing games, going to listen to music, doing silly things, going with me to get pedicures. I mean, we were very, very close friends. She was the closest friend I have ever had in my life the part of her that I knew. Okay, now when I read this to you and when I'm trying to tell you what happened, you're probably thinking, oh my gosh, how, how naive are you? I was naive, but that wasn't the only thing. I was emotionally starved and I was desperately seeking companionship. And so I ignored a lot of red flags. They would kind of cause me concern, but then I would think, well, maybe that did happen, or maybe maybe she's confused, or, you know, things like that. But I am owning my part in this. I, I should have seen the red flags, but at that point, I really didn't want to see them because I was being given something I'd never had before. I know it's very selfish, but it was also very healing, as I said. But let me read this to you. It's like, hey, I don't know if you'll get this or not, given all of the drama. 
and unfriending and blocking and unfriending and blocking. Yes, thanks, Margo. You did that. Actually, I did not block her. She got on my computer and blocked her. Uh, let me skip down through some of this. I don't want to go any personal stuff. Okay. I'm sure Terry tried to contact you after I threw her out last May. All right. Here I need to clarify. Margo didn't throw me out. I left. The reason I left is things started building up and things started not making sense. The thing that really tipped me over the edge was I have a very, very heavily constructed password on my MacBook, my iPhone, my iPad. Also, I have the fingerprint display or fingerprint sensor. And the day I left, I went in to check on her and she was really ugly with me. I'm like, what's up? And she verbatim recited my text messages to Jeff from the night before. And she was livid. I said, I cannot believe that you violated my privacy. I cannot believe you did this to me. Because I had been having gut checks, but I kind of, you know, threw them off. So I, I packed my stuff and I left. But I forgot some things, and that'll come up later on. I'll explain that to you. But to clarify that, I didn't. she didn't throw me out. I left. Terry is a very dangerous and disturbed person. You know, the last time I checked, I never said to anyone, Jane, who I tried to kill, or, you know I murdered my father, don't you? or things of that nature. Last, I never said anything like that. All right, dangerous and disturbed person with narcissistic personality disorder. Projection, 100% freaking projection right there. I hope she didn't enter your life and ruin something for you. When we first got together, uh, we didn't get together. We rekindled our friendship. And yes, we ended up living together for most of those next months because of my medical, con- my medical condition, your medical conditions, and things that were just weird that were going on that she, with me, orchestrated in some very imaginative ways. I'll get to that in a minute. You know, I've never been able to really talk to anyone about this. There was one person I really confided in through this whole thing because I was just, I was blindsided. And I decided to really stay above the fray and not add any fuel to the fire. But I needed an outlet. So there was this, this guy that I know, and he didn't know her. So it was pretty safe. And we were able to, he listened to me vent. Basically, I can't believe this. I had nowhere to go. Nowhere to go. All right. When we first got together, I found some communications between the two of you that made me very uncomfortable. During that time, she was telling me I was the love of her life. No, she was telling me I was the love of her life. And then I found out that when I messaged her after that meeting and said, you know, let's rekindle our friendship. Let's do some things. I'm bored here. She had actually been going out with another woman and she ditched that woman for me. She had this plot planned out. She said, I have never felt more in love or loved, but I could not go on 
I could not continue being abused. And then she talks about, then she turned on the love bombing again. It's an addiction on the unsuspecting person and demonic on their end. Really? Hmm. Okay. It was naive on my end. I was love bombed. I see that now clearly. Demonic? No, I don't think so. Not with me anyway. After I did a background check on her, I think we could pretty much fairly put that into her category here. And this isn't vengeful. I'm just wanting you guys to see how easy it is for someone to do something like this to you. Even though we lived together for almost 14 months and she was telling me that she and her husband had to stay together because they had to sell the house. And that was not the case. No, that wasn't the case. We weren't going to sell the house. The house was never anything except Margot kept trying to get me to put her on the deed. And that seemed weird to me, but then again, I blew it off. You know why I blew it off? Because she was drugging me. So I blew a lot of things off that I shouldn't have blown off. I think this is hilarious. I found lots of other entanglements she was having, even, even while she was living with me. Yeah, yeah, I did have entanglements because I had friends and I would speak to them. But see the way that this is being worded? Now, instead of me being gaslit, she's trying to gaslight my friend. As a result, she posted videos going on and on about me. No, I didn't. I posted one. It said something about, do you really know your friends? I didn't go on and on about her. I never mentioned her name. I never mentioned her name except to this one friend of mine for the longest time. I didn't know anything about it because of the recovery. Part of the recovery is no contact. No, that, that's right. For me, it would have been no contact. And that's why I sent her a cease and desist letter that I still have a copy of. So see, this is, she's turning all of this around. And I was actually going to write a novel about this because it really, it makes for a really good novel. And I still may do that. I have characters, names, and everything all picked out. But this is just classic narcissistic abuse, smear campaign, and scapegoating all at the same time. The only reason I knew about the videos is her family members kept contacting me without any solicitation on my part. Bullshit. She, my grandson, and I had been talking. My grandson had her phone number. And <laughs> the person that did reach out to her had reasons of their own to want to see me fail at something. And, you know, I don't even want to go into that part because that's it's not worth it. Her family members kept reaching out to me saying they knew I wasn't the person she was describing. They even offered to testify in court for me. Now, I know the one family member I'm speaking of wouldn't testify in court for me because she, in fact, not, I, didn't, I don't want to go there, but she, no, that is so not true. And the other family members, they wouldn't perjure themselves. They have more character than that. Anyway, I wish you the best, blah, blah, blah. Hope you're staying safe and well. Margo. And the message, actually, the message I got before I got that message was, hey, I'm going to send you a couple of messages Margo sent me via Facebook. And that was the first one that she sent. 
My response was, okay, I'm going to the attorney's. I just found out she had put her name on all of my things. She was on my credit. She was on my medical information. She was on everything that I can find. And I didn't understand how she did that or how she got past my encryption on my um, my things, my phone and my, 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 all my stuff. But I'll tell you how she did that in a second. She was trying to get me to make a will, which she was. She was drugging me. I've made numerous complaints with federal authorities, and now they're working on her now. As you can see, I have not said one word about her. I did call the DEA because she was dealing oxy. She was dealing cocaine. She was dealing several other illegal substances. And there was a time that came up that she had me, and I think she knew I was getting close to leave, and she wanted to pull me in and have something to hold over my head. So what happened was she had me sit in on a pain management clinic meeting. That way, I think she thought then I would be part of what was happening. And she was getting almost 200 OxyContin a month, but she was only using less than 30. She was selling the rest. I knew who she was selling them to, and I knew who she was laundering the money through. I knew all of this. So when, I, when she set me up with that, and then I left, it was actually that week I left, I called the DEA and I turned them all in because I did not want to have anything to do with it. I knew that's where she was going. So my friend said, that is totally insane. I cannot believe all that. Who does that? Her giving me all this info says a lot. The part about your son was so totally wrong to tell me any of that. Who does that? What happened? She didn't send, I didn't get the, the last message about my son. Then I said, I, I haven't read the entire story yet. The story is so bizarre. I had a friend of mine in the government do a background search of her, for, of her, on her. She has dozens of anti-stalking orders or stalking orders, anti-harassment orders, restraining orders against her from other women citing the very same things I have cited. She also has criminal charges dating back to the early, early 80s. My daughter did reach out to her and has been doing the very same thing to me that Margot has been doing. I'm sorry you got what she needs. She needs to get up and get over it and go away. I suspect that's why I'm losing a lot of friends on Facebook. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure, all of my musician friends, I'm, I'm positive that that happened. I said I didn't see anything about my son. However, if you turn everything around, it, it's semi-accurate. If you look at her record, she's described everything, or her messages, she's described everything in the restraining orders and the stalking orders, the harassment orders. She told me she would ruin my life. There was a text that she, she sent the first night. She, she had been giving me immunizations or shots, I guess, for my allergies and my, my immune system problem that I have. She had been giving me three shots a week. Well, I wasn't able to get my vials, and this was wrong on my part. She wouldn't let me in, which she had to because I was legally a tenant there since I had spent so much time. But she wouldn't let me have the vials. So my daughter went over to there and get them. That was a bad choice to make, to send my daughter over there. But I wasn't really, I wasn't thinking correctly. And I, I said, if you don't give her the vials and my syringes, 
and everything, I will get the sheriff involved and I will come and get my things. And that text message of how she's going to ruin my life will come up here. I said, oh, there's so much more to it. I kept wondering why my, my musician friend stayed away from her. Now I found out. My daughter and I have not spoken for six years. It's a long story. But if you listen to some of the videos that my daughter has that were, I made some videos in response to some questions that my daughter had left me. Those are on my YouTube. I'm not going to, if you want to search for them, you can search for them and you'll, you'll hear for yourself. I've never posted anything about Margot because I'm not that kind of person, but she has systematically gone through my friends list and whittled it down to almost nothing because of who she is. You're right. Her sending that to you says a lot. You're right. Her sending that to you says a lot. She's very threatened by you. And here's, let me see. These are all screenshots. Okay. Oh, I forgot to send you the one about your son. And she's, let's get to the part. Um, almost nothing she says is true and has several different profiles and blogs all geared to different themes and people. Yeah, I do. You know how many other people on Facebook do that that are in social media? I have bikers. I have mental health. And I had a traveling uh, website. Of course, it's geared to different people. It's sort of like a musician singing jazz, singing, singing rock and roll singing classics and singing pop there's no difference there but it's this is very um dark trying to appear very dark okay she's had eight kids in that house at one time they are all contacting me sharing the house of horrors that they grew up in really she didn't have a relationship with any of them except the two that are there now that's true that's true. I don't have a relationship with any of them except for the two that are here now. And there is there is one more that we have mended fences and that's going on. The homeless son she goes on and on about was the one that was most abused. He was by his siblings. The things we found out that were done to him by his siblings are absolutely horrifying and they should be jailed for the things that they did. Apparently, he started to show homosexual tendencies even as a little guy. And they told him that he would go to hell. Bible thumpers. If you know me, you know I'm not a Bible thumper. If you know me, you know I would never tell my son he was going to go to hell if he showed home with sexual tendencies. My gosh, look at my family. That is not on my radar. And yeah, I did go on and on about my homeless son because I was out there searching for him, as many of you have seen in other videos. They said that he would become a pedophile and used to beat him so severely, but then wouldn't take him to the hospital for fear they would be charged with something. Um, I could, I've got like 9,000 pages of Joshua's medical history with me. So no, that's not true. And we did take him to the hospital time and time again, trying to get him psychiatric treatment. My son was very ill. So they got a dog shot collar and put it on him. It's such sick stuff that went on there. And it's all about homosexuality in hell. It's pretty ironic. All the things considered, she created her own little schizophrenic. This raises my blood pressure <laughs> to the part I want to explode. For her to use my son like that, 
is is absolutely repulsive. I will address the sh- the collar. We did take my son. There were some things that were going on. It had nothing to do with homosexuality. It had with him do with him stealing my underwear, and I didn't. I mean, I wore like really expensive underwear, and he kept stealing it and stealing it. We tried everything we could, and we took him to one of America's or one of the United States renowned sex therapist, and his treatment did include. It, it was kind of like the chic cigarette thing back in. If you're as old as I am, you might remember that every t- time you take a. Uh, a drag, you would get a little shock. Well, there were there was a hunting dog collar. It was placed around his thigh. Joshua made the CD that walked him through this. Joshua signed off on everything. I was sick to my stomach, but I wanted my son okay. We didn't know what was going on with him. So that part is partially true, but not in the way that she addressed it. And I have dozens of doctors to back me up on that. I find this one pretty funny, too. Uh, That's just one of dozens of stories. I've blocked her in every way I could, but a few weeks ago she contacted me. I didn't know, through methods I didn't know about, wanting to be back with me. No, that didn't happen. I sent her a letter because she contacted me saying that she was in touch with my daughter and her family for Thanksgiving. She's trying to hurt me. She's trying to do all of these things to me. But what she did was she strengthened me, and I have to thank her for that. She strengthened me, and I let her know that her contact at that time had violated the cease and desist letter I had sent her, and I would be going to the authorities you know, I didn't want to do it. I was really thinking, do I go through with this? Do I not? I don't want to, at that point, I had gotten out of this and I'm trying to, you know, comprehend everything that's going on. Truthfully, I should have gone to the authorities. I did go to the DEA. I I admit that. I did turn her in. I did turn her friends in. But I didn't want to go through the emotional negativity I had come through so much and I had healed so much and I really didn't want to see her or have that negativity brought back up. If she had forced the issue or if she had crossed that line again, I would have. But at that point, she knew I had the goods on her. So here here was my response to that of her. I'm sitting here in total, utter disbelief. The short version, I left her when I found out found her going through my things. I would never want to be in that relationship again. I don't want gossip. I don't want people involved. I haven't told anyone about anything. I do have different blogs for different things, being motorcycles, mental health. Oh my gosh. Well, in one way, I feel more comfortable about the story she told me because I bet none of them is true. And why would I care? My son was never abused. My children were never abused. My children abused my son. He was never abused by us. He was abused by my other kids. My children, most of them were adopted at an older age and already had significant damage. They chose to go back to the lifestyle they had, and we told them we could not support them in that lifestyle, but we would always be here. And why would I care if my son was homosexual tendencies? I told her about Joshua's Joshua's problems and, and how... Joshua was. I mean, he, he was a cross-dresser. He was, tra- I, I guess he would be called transgender. Um, 
But you know what I call him? I call him my son. And many of you have seen me fight for him until the day he died. And I'm about to wage war on the medical examiner now, coming up on a year on his death, because I still don't have the information. And then my friend says, you can actually sue her for slander. You have the proof, and I do have the proof, and I'm more than willing to send you more. I've not blocked her yet, but how in the world did she find out we were communicating? Maybe someone on your Facebook page. They said, the day I left, she sent me a message telling me she had spent the day compiling MP3s, videos, photographs that would ruin my life and my relationship with my family. She's facing federal charges. Uh, da, 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 da. And then she actually sent them to my family and did almost try to destroy my family. And I have I have a big problem with that. One of my kids, she sent them to one of my kids, and that child contacted a kid that I'm not even in contact with. My husband, they're talking. It's this big thing. I got set up. I come home. I'm blasted on speakerphone by this kid that is not in my family. And when I say that, I mean in my core family. Tell me what he thinks and what he this and what he that. He doesn't know half the situation. No one knew what was going on. And I was blindsided. And I guess I should explain that with the videos, the MP3s, and everything. She sent out what is called revenge porn. I saw the pictures that she sent. And in the picture, I was naked. I have very distinctive tattoos. Although my investigator said that the picture had been manipul manipulated, it was me. But you could clearly see my, I was asleep. You can clearly see I was completely knocked out, which is exactly how she got my fingerprints on all my devices. When I was knocked out, she unlocked everything, and I found out later on that she was logged into my Facebook account and into my computer and could and had access at every time. And I didn't know enough to dig deep enough to see that other people were logged in to my devices. So yeah, she was logged into all of my devices for almost a year. That is really scary, and that makes me feel very sad that people would go to those links. And it also makes me feel very, like I didn't do enough to protect myself. I, I don't know, but that was crazy. So anyway, she sent those pictures out. She sent out a, vo a, a supposed voicemail, and the version I heard, I could tell was mixed. Duh, that's what she used to do. She was, <laughs> she was a vocalist and she was a producer. So, yeah, she had all the equipment. I could tell that the voicemail was mixed because I know which voicemails I had sent out. So she did that, and those are all federal charges. So I, I was getting ready to go to court with that, with my attorney. I talked to my attorney about it. And, you know, we had her dead to rights, but there it came again to, do I really want to go to, through this negativity again? Or do I want to focus on getting better? Well, I filed the charges with my attorney. I gave it all to my attorney. And then I just said, let's sit on this for a while and see what happens and how I'm feeling. Then my friend says, sue her. But what she sent to me is just so twisted. 
Is she on meth or something? LOL. Seriously. I said, I have no idea. And I have absolutely no idea how she found out. This was all before I found her logged into every account I had, <clears throat> which is like, again, that's, that's my fault. After I went to the DEA and had that federal background check done, I was completely and totally livid. A lot of this is, um, I'm letting my friend know about some of the illegal dealings that I had found out in the last weeks before I left that really tipped the scales for me. There was no reason for me to bring that up. Uh, let's see. She would cook and wouldn't let me in the kitchen. She would make me drinks and tell me to stay right where I was, which she did. I didn't think anything of it because, like I said, I don't think that way. I don't think that way. I didn't have any reason not to trust her, but I was constantly throwing up the entire time I was at her house. And being someone that has had a very, ne comes from a ne neglectful childhood and the trauma and everything that I've experienced, I am one that will get ailments. My trauma tends to come out in physical form many times. But when I was in her house, I remember I was throwing up all the time. The paramedics were called all the time, and it never crossed my mind that she was drugging me. The doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. I wish they had taken blood tests and did tox screens. And then my, my friend says, I will send you more information if she contacts me, and she probably will. I feel like she's been on my Facebook page snooping around. She's such a predator. I am so glad that this friend of mine was able to see this when a lot of people weren't able to see it. And I feel that since she was such a blues legend in Portland, the people around her were afraid of her with good reason. I found out after her death that they, were, they had good reason to be afraid of her. She had the goods on everybody. So this one is, this is the text message I said that she sent me. After I was told you were coming over here with the sheriff, you escalate, I escalated things. You escalated things even further. Okay, so this is more gaslighting, more manipulation, and more scapegoating type of behavior. I have spent most of the day compiling files, photos, MP3s that would ruin your relationship with your family. God only knows what you've told them about me, but I'm sure it was no fault of your own. I'm getting ready to send out my little package, which I can't believe someone that was already so in the system with corrections and everything would make such a threat. I don't think she thought that I would. I think she thought she would scare me. And at that point, I wasn't scared. I was just like, Man, this is messed up stuff. And this is why I'm letting you know, because this is just ridiculous. She says she's a predator. The woman is absolutely deranged. And the thing is, she knows how to do it. She knows who to target. She knows how to put her words. And she knows how to go in for the kill. A lot of the more personal things I'm going to leave out, because like I said, there's no reason for that. This is just, I guess, kind of let... You know, I've, I felt very unable to tell my story and 
kind of stand up for myself. And I think this is part of it, but it's also a, a very good lesson in how people manipulate. So be really, really careful. Then she says, my friend says, how old is she? This must be years and years of patterns she has. And I said, she'll, she'll be 71 in July. And then we're talking again about the background searches that my, my friend had done. And I recently did a background search because I did a background search on someone else. And I thought, well, I'm going to see for myself. And sure enough, it was really a lot worse than I thought. People, there are other women that had actually put liens on her. She did end up, I feel, manipulating me into taking probably close to $20,000 from me. That's just kind of a guesstimate. And once again, I just felt so stupid. But I have to realize, I don't think like that. And I was targeted. And she targeted me for a reason. Because I am giving. I do things for people. Or I did. She, uh, my friend says, she is very ill. Do you have a restraining order on her? And then I answered about suing her, which... You know, she never really had anything put in her name, so she tried to keep everything protected. I said I didn't think that I needed a restraining order because I had sent her a cease and, desist, cease and desist letter, but everything that my friend was telling me pretty much showed that I did need a restraining order. And what we had decided was to send another cease and desist, a more firm cease and desist, and see if she violated that before I went any further. She said, you really should get one. Why she contacted me, this is my friend, is beyond my comprehension. It makes me wonder what she's capable of, you know? Yeah, I was finding out real quick. And I think that was another thing was kind of overload load, was how she was able to do all of this stuff and how preplanned everything was. And I said, if she's going to talk about me, I don't care. Just tell the truth. If you tell the truth, I... I don't care. Tell the truth. You know, what's wrong with that? Then we were talking about I was at the point that I was so sick. I was vomiting all the time and I was unable to walk. And that was really scary for me. I had never experienced anything like that. And to think of the level of evil that is in that type of a mind is beyond scary. Then my friend says she needs to be locked up. I'm like, at the very least. And what I said, one of the things that really pisses me off is she called me a Bible thumper. I am not a Bible thumper. My gosh, I have a faith, but I am not going to tell anyone else to believe what I believe. I'm just not going to do it. But she's using that against me because this woman that she's speaking with is, is also a lesbian. So she's trying to paint this very vivid, very toxic picture and... It's not one of who I am. It's really one of who she is. My friend says, I don't believe her at all. This is so much to take in right now. And I cannot believe my friend was targeted in any way. And she says, that's all that she sent me so far. She'll probably send more. Do you want me to see? Do you want me to see if she does? Do you want me to see them? I, yes, I very much do. Because at that point, I'm building a case realizing just how dangerous this woman is. And I said, you know, I'm really sorry. See, I'm taking this on. I'm sorry to bother you again. I keep wanting to defend myself against these lies and ridiculous accusation. 
All that's going to do is destroy me at this point. Once again, I really apologize. She did that to you. Her obsession with me has to end one way or the other. And my friend said, you're not bothering me at all. Please don't think that. Her behavior says everything. The fact she messaged me with such long, crazy messages and all the stuff about your son. Sane people do not do that. And then she asked if she had contacted me again. And I said that she's blocked on everything. And then she said this, which was really insightful. And I think she may have been in the same situation at one point. She said she wants you to feel alone and isolated. And the way I was looking at it at that point with the therapy and everything I had gone through was more, I was, it was like a dawning. It was, it was like my eyes were opening to what I had been seeing all my life, but I had not understood. I was finally understanding it. So I didn't feel alone and isolated. I felt, I guess I felt very angry with the, not really angry, hurt by the people that were believing what she was saying without even a second thought as to me and if it was true or if it wasn't true, because these people had known me a long, long time. And then my friend says, I'm getting so pissed. I had someone do a similar thing, blasting me all over Facebook, contacted friends of mine, and my mom, and just tried to destroy my life. Then she says, honestly, she sounds like a paranoid meth head or a cocaine addict, and she was a very um, heavy user of cocaine at one time. I don't know if she was at the time I was with her or if she was just selling it, but I know that that was her drug of choice many times. I thought about not sending you the messages, but I thought you should know. I am so thankful she did. And I said, I'm, I'm really glad you did. Now I know what I'm up against. Then I said, I just want her to stop. In a way, I feel sorry for her because it must be a pretty pathetic life to have to rope someone in and then threaten them to stay in your life. Then my friend says, this will pass. Don't allow her to take over your life. Don't give her the energy. Don't give her the power over you that she's seeking. And I think that's one of what that I think that's kind of at the time I decided, you know, that helped me with my decision. Do I go after her or do I not? And I think that really helped. She says, if you throw mud, she will retaliate and become more obsessed with hurting you. She's a 71 year old woman who is truly sick and probably won't change. Let her be that twisted individual. She said she really showed her colors when she sent those messages to me. Normal people don't do that. She says, I was very thrown off and it was so toxic. That kind of toxic behavior really freaks me out. Then my friend says, we, we had been talking about, you know, I was like, why did she let me sit through that meeting with the pain clinic? And she said she wanted to see wanted you to see it so she could reel you in. Everything about her reminds me of my ex. She is totally crazy. Document everything. I knew when she asked me to delete and block, when she asked you to delete and block me, she was unwell. Only secure, threatened, and controlling people do that. She just wanted to isolate you. And I wasn't the one that deleted her. Um, she did it herself. Then she was telling me about the other woman that I didn't realize, I guess, that she thought I was taking her place. 
not the woman, but Margot. Um, she says she totally effed her over, swept her off her feet and let her believe they worked together, love bombed her, and then just left to be with you after you reconnected. I'm sure she was playing with both of you and neither of you knew. She probably told you all sorts of nasty things about this other woman. And she did. Uh, she didn't tell me a whole lot. She just told me she was disgusted by her. I said, uh, maybe she was projecting. Then my friend goes in to tell me about this woman and how wonderful she was and how honest. And then I felt really horrible that, and that, you know, that's not my problem. I, I didn't do this to this woman. Margot did this to this woman. And it's still really, um, it bothers me. I, you know, I think about it from time to time that I was used in a situation to hurt someone else. That's just, that's just so not cool. Then I continue apologizing to my friend. I'm like trying to own this behavior. Like, I'm so sorry that Margot did this to my friend. And my friend said, she did this to you. You didn't do it to her. Stop apologizing. Put the responsibility back on her. She said she is a con and probably has no one to con anymore. Portland is a very small com community. The older lesbian population is even smaller. She probably ran over people she effed over. So she is not only... Okay, so she made this other woman the scapegoat to me. Then she's making me a scapegoat to all of these other people. And all it is is projecting what she has done herself. I mean, there's so much involved in this. Narcissism, uh, manipulation, scapegoating, projection, annihilation is what she was trying to do. And when you're so consumed with something like that, that's just a very sad place to be in my 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 book. She said, I am so sorry you got sucked into all of this. You know, I'm really, I'm glad I did because I think that was a real defining moment in my life to, I mean, it shocked me awake. It, it was like plugging in a light switch for me and turning it on. And I was, it says, you know, I was very angry with allowing myself to get into that situation, but you know, a trap was set and into it I fell willingly because she was healing those crucial parts of me. And if you know me on Facebook or you follow any of my Instagrams or anything, you'll see the pictures when we're together. We were very, very, very happy. We were very close friends. And you can see our friendship in those pictures. Although there wasn't, it was totally one-sided. And you know, I can't feel stupid because that did heal. It really did heal a lot of things. And it has been the topic of a lot of therapy. So a little bit deeper into this receipt dive. Uh, my friend says, this is how I'm going to handle it. Let her know exactly who she is by what she showed me with all of the message she sent. I am so truly pissed right now. There are not many people that would stand up for people today. And my friend really did stand up for me. And she's the one actually that says she's probably hooked into your Facebook or your computer still because she did know IT pretty well. And sure enough, she was. Uh, and then uh, my friend goes on to say, you know, we're discussing things back and forth. And she's really trying to get me to see I'm not at fault in what happened, that it was a real setup. 
And she says, she just sent this. She's talking to someone or she's somehow able to get into your stuff. You need to check your computer. Please do not share that I've contacted you. It will just escalate her dangerous, revengeful behavior. And at that point, I was just freaked. I'm like, how can she be in my stuff? I've blocked her from everything. So I went and I checked on my privacy settings. And then sure enough, it was it was on there. And then my friend says, I'm going to continue to let her talk smack. And when she does, I'm going to tell her I saw her true colors. Then she reminds me to change my pet all of my passwords on everything. Okay, so now we get to the part where my friend, she's waiting and she's watching and she's waiting to see if Marco's going to contact her again. She said she's one effed, wa effed up, washed out old woman. I am so sorry that she got into this. She is, or you got into this. She is so messed up. And this is what she sent to Margo. I read all of your messages numerous times, and I have to say that it's totally out of line and so inappropriate for you to share all of this information regarding her life, her relationship, her kids, etc. I'm really disturbed what you told me about her son, Joshua. Everything you have disclosed to me is just malicious and wrong. I do not know you, and after reading your messages, which are full of just toxic personal info that's, libely, <clears throat> that's likely incorrect, it has me wondering just what kind of person you are. You claim to be wanting to warn me. This is way beyond warning. What you're doing is slander. Not to mention total character assassination of Terry. I truly do not want anything to do with this or you. I'm in a great place, better than I have ever been. You are causing turmoil in my life. And you know what? Terry has never said, all in caps, never said anything bad about you or your relationship or your behavior. So just stop. And then my friend continues to me. She is just so twisted. I wrote her just to see what she would say. So when, so when she twisted the words regarding your son, it pissed me off. I'm so effing pissed right now. I'm shaking. So this is what Margot responded with. Her biggest card right now is that you're a personal trainer. And she used to go to the gym constantly. And that's all bullshit, by the way. Really? Well, my muscles didn't tell me that. When they were open, this was during the pandemic, she's saying when they were open, the gyms were open, I tried to get, get her to go with me and she refused. No. You guys, I just want you guys to see what the heck, this is so crazy. I mean, it's like living a movie with this relationship. But like I said, again, I'm thankful because it opened my eyes, not only to her, but the people in the community that we were mutual friends with. 
then she's she goes i've had all these physical problems and i really um want you to help me i've lost a lot of muscle mass she lost over 100 pounds gastric gastric bypass and i think i should just try and get in the gym i should just let you know that i have a bad, very bad feeling about all of this and the fact of me feeling so compelled to reach out at this particular time i hope to hear from you okay i'm going to quit i'm going to try to quit obsessing over this and obsessing over her lol I try very hard not to give her any of my energy, and here I am spending it all of this time on her. Uh, one more thing. You said you were dealing with your own demons. These people, meaning narcissists that she's labeled me as, are super sensitive. Once again, she's projecting here. Are super sensitive in identifying anything like that and will use it as a way to make you think that they too suffer from the very same thing like a kindred spirit careful what vulnerabilities you share they have a big toolbox okay 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 i'm stopping now sweet dreams hug your partner a little extra tight tonight that just wants to make me gag then my friend says I was just so sick of it, and I and it makes me ill. Who does that? She's just a sick, washed-up blues singer who is bitter and has nothing to do, nothing better to do with her pathetic life at this point. She's clearly wasted it. Once again, she tells me not to apologize for what Margot has said. You know, that's something I really have to... I've been working on is not to apologize for things other people do. She says, I'm fairly certain she will be done chatting with me. She offered me her phone number. Who does that? She must think I'm as toxic as her for listening to her malicious bullshit. I had so much more I wanted to say, but I think I got the point across. And I said, you know, I think she's just trying to pull one more person out of my, my world. I hope I didn't say anything. I just hope I didn't say anything that was, could be misinterpreted as throwing mud or degrading her in any way because that's the last thing I wanted to do. And I tell you what, that took me a long time to learn to do because I would fire back like that. And she says, you were totally appropriate with what you disclosed. She did this to herself, and I'm glad I put her in her place. I'm sure she's fuming and probably paranoid as hell. And then she texts me. She just responded from my message I sent. All she said was, got it. And again, she says, you were never malicious in anything you said to me. You told me the truth, which I had already figured out. You disclose your experience with her. You do not say anything about her or her effed up life. But you have every right to do so now. <laughs> Which, you know, I didn't. I have spoken to a couple of people after this all went down. I have never maligned her in any way to anybody. And one of the things that really makes me sick is she died 
December the 9th. And a lot of, you know, on Facebook, a lot of the, the blues and jazz community were coming out to offer condolences and what a wonderful person she was and we'll miss you. It, it really makes me sick that these people don't know the things that she said about them to me. And I'm not going to tell them that. I don't, th- there's no reason to hurt them for that. But I, you know, I just think, wow, you have them fooled too. So it made me really not feel as alone. And then my friend says, I feel so much better. Ha ha. When I woke up to her latest message, I just had to put my foot down. To not do so would have enabled her to continue. I will not be her audience nor her hostage to this. And I let her know for sure. I'm sure she is pissing in her pants right now. And then she goes on to encourage me. And this is where I think you can encourage a lot of people. If you know someone's going through this, be the encourager. My friend and I haven't spoken in quite some time since this happened. You know, just things here and there. But she cared enough about me to shut down the character assassination, at least when Margo was coming to her. That speaks volumes. That is the kind of friend you want to have, someone that has your back when the lies come out, not someone who cowers down because they're afraid or they don't want to lose clout or because they probably know how she is and they would be the next one in line for her wrath. And that's when I, I wish I could put this image up. This is when I signed into my Facebook accounts. And you can sign in by picture. And I had not seen this before on my phone. And it has Margot with her personal Facebook picture. And it has Terry with mine. So I knew then that she was into my account. Then she came back with, you know, we're talking about the revenge porn and the way she manipulated the pixels and everything. And was drugging me and really encouraging me to file charges and put her in jail. You know, there's part of me that's thinking, yeah, I'd like to see you in jail, but I really didn't want to be vengeful. And I, I didn't want to, and she's 71 years old. She was. So really everyone in Portland pretty much knew her. And I think that my friend was right and that she's burned all her bridges. The lesbian community is very small. And she burned all her bridges. Everyone pretty much knew about her and what she had done. Like I said, when I did the background search, I found liens against her. I found a lot of what my investigator had told me, but not everything. He did a much thir- much more thorough background search, which was awesome. And it really let me know what the evil that was going on. And then my friend says, Margot is just truly ill. She does not care who she hurts as long as she comes out looking good. No one else matters. True selfishness at its finest. She is really sick and has been doing this for decades. So at this point, my friend is talking to other people. She's been doing it for decades. And her only response was, got it. So she knew that my friend knew, she knew her game. She knew what was going on. And she stopped with her at that point. And this happened in, um, I think this was in January 2021. 
And at this point, other friends of Margot's who were involved with the the drug dealing part of things started trying to friend my friend on Facebook, I guess trying to get more information. Facebook, social media can be so evil. So in spilling that, you know, I've, I really debated, do I tell this story or do I not? Because yes, it happened to me. It's part of my history. It's personal. If anyone in Portland listens to my podcast, they will know exactly who I'm speaking of. But then again, I didn't use the last name and everything is true. I have it all. I have all the receipts. I have all the text messages. I also have recordings. And I found out Margot had been recording me since the day we met. Um, <clears throat> but things started to make sense with me. And it really, even though things were so evil and so calculated, and I could have died in a lot of the situations she put me in, I am forever thankful. And the reason I'm thankful for this is two-part. One, I'm thankful that I am able to hold on to the good because the good I remember, whether she meant it for evil or good, was good to me. It helped me heal from the wounds of my childhood. It helped me heal from wounds after that. She made me feel special. She made me feel important. On the flip side of that coin, since I was being drugged, there are many things I don't remember. And I have just been told. And that lets me see, Tara, you need to really back up and really look at your boundaries. Really look at who you get close to. And I think she's one of the ones that really was the tipping point of having me say, I don't believe anyone anymore. I cannot judge people. I have not gotten well enough in my recovery process that I can make an accurate judgment of people. She helped me with that. And I am so very thankful she did. But you know, this started out as scapegoating. But it led into so many other things. Yes, Marco was using me for a scapegoat to everyone else because all of a sudden Terry wasn't going to be with her at events and she was going to have to come up with a story. She didn't want to tell the truth about what happened. I got into Terry's computer. I drugged her. I tried to get her to make a will. I tried to get her to do this, tried to get her to do that. She didn't want any of that out. So she basically took what she had done to me and turned it around for everyone else. So she skate was in scapegoating. She was projecting. She was, she was trying to isolate me. She was trying to humiliate me, none of which worked. The people that fell for the isolation thing, you know what? I'm glad that they chose that route because I didn't have to do it. The people that stayed, I truly thank them because they saw through Margot's ways. They had been with her for a long time. You know, there are a lot of, um, like I said, there's a lot of criminal history with her. She's got a very full deck when it comes to orders against her, restraining orders, stalking orders, anti-harassment orders. 
And like I said, I wasn't really sure I was going to share this because it almost seems like throwing mud, but I'm not. I think it's good for me to go through and read my friend's messages again, read the messages she sent or Margot sent to her and how she responded. I was feeling very um, alone here in this world in the last month or so. And to reread my friend's messages, who I really have not seen at all, stand up for me and say, stop it. You're full of crap. You're pulling character assassination and you are one sick person. And for Margot to just respond back, got it. I felt validated. My one friend, I mean, she really validated me in my feelings. And I hadn't even spoken to her about any of this stuff with Margot until Margot started sending her messages. And that let me know why all these people had kind of dropped off the face of the earth. And, you know, I really, I dodged a bullet. I could have died. Uh, There is, we hope, not permanent damage to my heart, but I do have damage to my heart. My, you know, when I, I pull my medical records up and I look at how many times I was in the ED, when I go back and I look at the videos I did with her and the times I said things like, does my food ta- does your food taste weird? My my food tastes funny. Uh, to the one where it was about when I went to the ED and I I was so hot I couldn't have anything on. I was throwing up. All of these weird things that had happened to me in this space of fourteen months, not even fourteen months, what thirteen months with this woman who I had tried to help, and all I did I got pulled into this dark web. Because of narcissism, because of toxicity, her need to control someone else. And that's one thing I don't get. If you have to control someone to love you, what does that say? You're not getting love if you're trying to make them love you. You're not going to get love. I did love her very, very much. As I said, she gave me so much that helped me heal and was truly the best friend I've ever had in my life. And that is one thing I really am thankful for, that I can see the two boxes. I can see the good part that she gave me, and I can know the bad part that she did to me. The bad part comes up from time to time, but I keep it in a box. I really want to think about the good and the way it helped me heal and the way it opened my eyes to how I interact with other people. That will keep me safe. Margo will forever be an influence in my life for both good and evil, for both healing me and trying to destroy me. She will be the defining mark and where Terry decided to make definite changes. I am so sorry this went on so long and is so convoluted, but I hope you got something out of it, especially watch out, be careful. You really don't know who anyone is. And I think that her prominence in the music industry here in Portland, I know I was a prop for her. I know I was a prop. 
and that hurts. But then again, we really did have a lot of fun. And I learned a lot of lessons. I learned there are more people out there I can't trust. She allowed me to push more people further away from me that um, went with her game and tried to pull me down and destroy me. So a lot of good came out of a really bad situation. So I want you guys to keep that in mind. When things like this happen and your life is falling apart, someone's out to target you, and then you have a, someone targeting you from another angle, and you have someone targeting you from another angle, what are you going to do? I mean, with that phone call, I just sat there and listened to it like, okay, if you're going to talk, you're going to talk. You're talking about something you know nothing about. But that conversation ruined many relationships. It put wedges in almost every relationship I have. And it's never been addressed, I guess, to my satisfaction. And it never will be. And that's something I, I just really need to be at peace with. And I think I am at peace with that. Because you know what? I'm the one that has my back. You have your back. You need to watch out for yourself. Make yourself top priority. People will try to sabotage you. Keep your eyes open. Not all people are evil, but you can recover. You have this. Please just take it and learn from it. You know, I mean, gosh, when I think about it, it's just such the perfect novel, isn't it? And I even had, like I said, my characters named. I had talked to my massage therapist about it and... Actually, she's one that really helped me heal and open my eyes to everything that was going on. And I was leaving her, her clinic one day, and one of Margot's signature songs came on, Tell Mama, if you want to look up the words. That's exactly what she did to me. And when I read those words, I mean, I had heard her sing it a hundred times, but when I read the words, Tell Mama, tell me all about it. I want to do what you choose. Tell me anything you want. You know, I don't have them in front of me. But that's what it is. That's what she did to me. I was instantly released from her grasp. And I want that for you. Look and see what's going on. Open your eyes. Check your gut. Don't ignore those red flags. Be free. Be happy. Be safe. Love yourself first. Because then you'll be able to see the signs of what's coming next. Thanks guys for hanging on with me. And I will be here to talk to you guys later this week or next week. Enjoy.